everybody. It is good to have you in worship. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Um, I knew what I was preaching coming in, and I knew what they were singing, but um, I didn't know how badly I needed to hear his eyes on the sparrow today. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And I know he watches me. Earlier we sang, uh, his goodness is running after me. His goodness is running after me. It's straight out of the Bible. It's straight out of the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall Follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, y'all want to talk about worry? I mean, we're going to sing all of that and then talk about worry? Let's talk about worry. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Worry. Sermon's called worried sick can you make yourself sick by worrying oh you better believe it yeah some of you sitting right here with an ulcer uh, spastic colon uh, anxiety can make your sick self sick by worrying um the word worry is an ancient word that comes from a root that literally means to strangle worry strangles you Romans chapter 12, Apostle Paul says that we are not to be conformed to the pattern of the world, not to be like people of the world, but instead be transformed by uh, renewing our minds, having our minds renewed by Christ. Which is to say that um, in the spiritual life, we have to learn to think like Christ. And if you're not thinking like Christ, you're not becoming like Christ. You see, and if you're not becoming like Christ, then your spiritual life is off track. So if we're thinking about our thoughts and, and what it means to surrender our thoughts to God, then, then today let's focus on one besetting thought sin, and, and, and that be worry. When it comes to worry in the Bible, Jesus has one single word, and that word is, say it, don't. Yeah. When Jesus talks about worry, one word, the word is don't. Yeah. Let's read it. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. I love this so much. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you, don't worry. Don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food. Your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, and God feeds them. 
And you're far more valuable to Him than any bird. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And and if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So so when Jesus talks about worry, he has one word. The word is don't. Don't. I mentioned earlier that worry is a sin. I called it a sin. And some of you are probably thinking, Pastor Tim, I think you're overstating it there. I don't think worry is a sin. We all do it. Everybody worries. Yeah. Did your mama never do that thing where she would say to you, if, if everybody jumps off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff? You know what I'm saying? Did your mama never say that to you? Because I'm saying that to you now. If everybody jumps off a cliff, so th- just because everybody worries, does that really mean that you think that it's not a sin? Well, let's just make it simple. Jesus says in regards to worry, don't. Now, that's a commandment. Don't worry. So if Jesus says don't and then you do it, I think by the very definition that makes it sin. It's sin. Worry is sin and Jesus says don't. You must stop it. How how are you going to stop it? I mean, honestly, how, how will you stop? Now, the fact that Jesus says don't worry means that he must know that it is possible, entirely possible for us not to worry. He wouldn't command us not to do it if it were not in our power by the Holy Spirit not to do it. It must be possible. Jesus would never command us to do anything that we're we're not able to do. That's why Jesus never commands you to throw a football like Tom Brady. You can't. You won't. And Jesus never commands you to do something that, that, that he can't, won't empower you to do. Jesus never tells you to sing and dance like Beyonce. Because you can't. So when Jesus gives a commandment, obviously it's with the full expectation that this is something that you can walk in. This is within uh, the uh, plan of his life for you. You obviously can live and not worry according to Jesus. So stop. Stop. How are you going to stop? Uh, let me just say this. This will get us going. That will worry you so you'll quit thinking with me. Uh, you can't stop worrying by trying to stop worrying. 
Now, that's not a typo. I mean that. And y'all know this is true, right? You can't stop worrying by just trying not to worry. That's like trying to fall asleep by trying to fall asleep. You ever done that? That didn't work. You, you can't fall asleep by trying to fall asleep. And you can't stop worrying by trying not to worry. It's never going to work. That's not how any of this works. So, so obviously, Jesus is telling us not to worry. And obviously, there must be some way for us not to worry. But it's not going to be by you just trying really, really hard not to worry. You're not going to stop worrying by trying to stop worrying. So let's dig into this scripture and figure out exactly how it is that we're going to be able to do what Jesus plainly tells us to do. And that is stop worrying. All right. Let's talk about worry. What makes you worry? What, what is it in us that, that drives this, this instinct to, to worry? First off, worries reflect your uncertainty. Life is all about uncertainty. Human life is anyway. And for that reason, we, we sort of are very prone to anxiety. We don't ever know how things will work out. We don't know anything, to be honest. I mean, the things you think you know, you don't know, no, because that's just a fact. Everything is uncertain. It's not obvious that I'm going to finish this sermon. It's not obvious that we're going to live to see another day. None of this, it's not obvious that it won't snow tomorrow. I mean, you know, life always has that element of uncertainty, and that uncertainty is something that really triggers us. We, we don't know how to live with that. With what we don't know, with what we can't control, worries reflect your uncertainty. Now, the interesting thing here, and this is what I want you to connect here, that this is why worry is a spiritual issue, okay? I want to explain that to you. Because you're thinking you just worry because your grandma was a worrier, and your mama was just crazy, and so now you worry because you're just like your grandma. You know, no. I want you to understand, this is spiritual. Worry is a spiritual condition. So I'm talking about that ulcer in your stomach, that spastic colon of yours, all of this that comes from worry. You have to understand this is a spiritual issue. In the book of Hebrews, the definition of faith is given. And what does it say? Faith is the assurance of things we hope for. It's the evidence of things we don't see. Understand? So faith itself... Is right here in that place of uncertainty for us. Faith pertains to all of those things that we hope for but, but, but haven't experienced yet. Faith digs in right there in, in terms of all those things that we believe but we can't see, we can't hold on to. Understand? So, so faith also is given to us in order for us to be able to live in this uncertainty. And that's why worry becomes such a rival to faith. That's why when Jesus is talking about the worrying habits of his disciples, that he turns to them and says, why do you have so little faith? You get that? And so there is this opposite kind of relationship between worry and faith. Both of them are ways for us to live with the uncertainty of our life, but worry is the unhealthy response. Worry is the fleshly sinful response to the fact that you don't ever know how things will turn out. Worries reflect your uncertainty. Second, worries reflect your limits. Not only do you never really know how things will turn out, but, but that in itself is an example of your limits. There's a limit to your knowledge, but also there's just a limit of what you can affect. There's a limit to what you can control. 
And, and your worries sort of reflect that. You, you worry about all of those things that, that really uh, are, are outside your ability to know, to fix, to, to control, to guide. And for that reason, you, you just begin to, to worry. It, it reflects your limits. And you're limited. Now, honestly, scientifically speaking here, there are actually only two categories of things that you could actually worry about. Only two. Only two. The first thing that you worry about, the first type of thing you worry about, would be the, the, the things that you can control. Sometimes we worry about things we can control. That's the first category. The second category of things would be the things we cannot control. So there are two categories, and interestingly, there's not a third one. That's it. That's all of your worry. You're either worried about something that's inside your control, or you're worried about something that's outside your control. Now, watch how this works. Let's say that you're worried about something that actually is inside your control. I can help you with that worry. What's the answer? Go fix it. Go fix it. God has placed this within your power. Go fix it. If you have the ability to change it, change it. Understand? I'm just saying, and I'm saying this respectfully to you, but it is stupid to worry about something that you can fix, something that you can change. It's inside your power. So understand, if you're worrying about something that is inside your control, that's silly. Don't worry. Understand? I mean, that's just dumb. So the first category of worry is absolutely foolish. So about the second. What if you're worried about something that's outside your control? Okay, I'm speaking respectfully again. That's dumb too. Because you can't control it. You can't control it. And you're not going to control it by worrying. See, that's the thing. Worry gives you this illusion that you've got a little bit of control. So Casey and I just got back from vacation on the beach, man. I mean, I, I love, y'all, I, don't, I, won't, I won't go into it, y'all. I love the beach so much. But here's the thing. Casey could nearly ruin it. <laughs> now, I love her, and she's my vacation buddy. Man, I love, and she pays for it. My wife, you know, I couldn't do it without her. But she'll nearly ruin it because she just worries. So we're out on the beach. It's going to be a beautiful day. I'm slathered in sunscreen. I got my bathing suit. I got my book. I'm sitting in my chair. I'm going to spend the whole day there. And she pulls out her weather app. And she'll say, it's going to rain at 915. I'm going to pack this bag up in case we have to run for it. And I'm looking around, and there's not a cloud in the sky, you know. And she's just like, it's going, it's going to rain at 915. I'm, I'm not going to take this cover up off. I'm going to just sit here ready to walk, you know. Way to ruin a whole day on the beach, you, you know, because she does. She's just like watching that app. And then telling me, three minutes away, the storm's three minutes away. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Y'all pray for her. Pray for me. She will. It says right here, two minutes, you can't see it. It's behind those buildings. <laughs> Horrible storm. I'm, I'm going to pick up this bag. You know. Okay, and, and I'll say, Casey, we're dressed for water. <laughs> I mean... This is inside our plant, you know, like these are swimming trunks. An interesting fact here, God made us waterproof, you know, but it's just that, uh, and I love my wife so much, uh, she just worries like that, and, and, and you, you know, she can't control, like, she's not in control of the rain. 
she's ruining my vacation telling me about, you know, to, it's going to storm in two minutes. I'm going to get the bag. You know, because you know about half the time that storm never comes across, that it never comes. You know, you know, we worried about rain that never even came. It just ruined your day. But it gives us a losing of control. Casey and all of us, we think that if we're worrying about it, then, it, then tragedy won't sneak up on us. That storm is right behind that building, two minutes away. It's on the app, you know. But you're not in control of it, you know. Just because you think you see it coming, it doesn't mean that you're in any way shepherding that. It may come, it may not come. You're not in control just because you're worrying. But worrying makes you think you're on top of it. It makes you think that somehow you are in control because you have your eye on it. Danger, danger. You know? Last night, uh, don't, don't tell my wife any of this. Last night, our son was moving. He's moving from Austin, Texas. Wade and Marty, his wife, moving from Austin, Texas to Nashville, Tennessee. Praise the Lord. That's great. So much closer. So they're driving across the country. And my, do I need to tell, and my wife has an app for that too. My wife tracks our son. But don't tell him. because, But she tracks him everywhere he goes. She has an app for that. And so all day long, she's just walking around, like, like watching them drive across country. She's like, they're not even in Little Rock yet. They're not, even, they're not on Casey's schedule because she's already done the math in her head, like when they should be at Little Rock. And they're not even in Little Rock yet. You know, just because you can watch them drive across Arkansas and because you had in your mind like the, the timetable, you're not in control of any of that. It's an illusion, but it's just an illusion. Uh, worry reflects your limits, and just because you worry it doesn't give you any control. You, you think it does. It, it, it does not. Well, one last thing. Worries reflect your devotion. Worries will reflect your priorities. If you really want to know exactly what matters to you, just pay attention to what you worry about. Your worries will always be completely, completely... Um, uh, occupied by those things that you value most in life. So whatever it is that you worry about, I'll just tell you up front, you have placed it way too high in the list of priorities. Hey, hold, up, hold up, Pastor Tim. I'm worried about my family. I feel like you're telling me I should not love my family. No, no, I'm not telling you that you should not love your family. I'm just saying you can't love your family ultimately. They can't be put in that central highest place in your life. That's a recipe for worry. Do you understand? If, if you make people, if you, even your, your, your mama, your daddy, your family, I mean, if you make them the ultimate thing, finances, like money, and so you worry about money a lot because money matters a lot to you. And on down the list, whatever it is that you worry about, the health of your children, I mean, you just name it. I'm telling you, you are making these things the center of your life. And so what you're doing are taking all of the things that are uncertainties, because you don't know, and all the things that you do not control, you can't control your children's health. You can't control any of this, and then you put those things in the center of your life. It's no wonder, it's no wonder your stomach hurts all the time. These things were never meant to occupy that highest place in your life. I'm telling you, worries will always reflect your devotion. This is why Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where the desires of your heart will be. 
Understand? So worries reflect your devotion. This is why you worry, and in many ways, this in some ways is, is, is how we worry. But how do we stop? I said, you're not going to stop worrying by trying to stop worrying, but Jesus clearly says don't worry. So let's look at the passage, and let's figure out how it is that we're going to win over worry. How are we going to do this? Because obviously, obviously Jesus is telling us that we can live with uncertainty and don't have to live with worry. You with me? First off, you're not going to stop worrying by trying to stop worrying, but you will stop worrying if you go to battle with your unbelief. It's unbelief. Pastor Tim, what are you talking about? I'm in church. Can't you see I'm in church? Can't you see I got a Bible open in my lap? I'm a believer. Are you? I mean, are you though? I can't just point to what Jesus says here, because if I said it, you'd get mad at me. But let's let Jesus say it to you here. What does he say? Verse 29, don't be concerned. Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such. I'll just stop. I get really convicted when I read this passage and I hear what Jesus tells his disciples not to worry about. Because to be honest, they're worried about real things. Those are real things. It's, it's like you got it, you got it, you got to eat to live. And those are the things that, I mean, it's a very different culture. Like if, if y'all worried about, y'all, I mean, y'all, y'all are worried about food, I know. But when y'all are worried about food, it's more you're worried about, will the preacher ever stop talking so we can go to Cheddar's? Y'all know that's not a joke. Are we going to go to Cheddar's or Elmas? I don't know. I don't know. I want to go to Cheddar's, but, you know, I love Elmas, except that, you know, case always, you know, burns my belly. I don't, I don't know. I'll burp. Um, you worry about food, but it's not like they worried about food. They worried in the sense of, will we have food enough to live? You just worry about, you know, are we going to have to wait in a long line at an olive garden? It's not the same our worries are at a different place. We worry about Wi-Fi, you know. They worry about clothing. I mean, when Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to wear, it's not like they have closets full of clothes. In the ancient world, the typical adult had one, one garment of clothing they wore every day, every day until they died. They didn't have something to wash and wear something. I mean, they often had one garment, and that was their clothes. So when the disciples worry about clothes, it's not like you. You're not worried about clothes, clothes. You're just worried about, are my clothes in fashion? You're about fashion. You worry about whether you can wear white after Labor Day. Now, this isn't what they're worried about. It's, it's more the difference between not being in style or out of style, but, but being warm or, or freezing to death, being naked or clothed at all. And Jesus says to them, don't don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. Verse 30, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. What did Jesus just say? Jesus just said, when you worry, you're thinking like a non-believer. I would go one step further. It's still the very same statement. When you worry, you're thinking like an atheist. 
It's like you're an atheist. So what do you mean? Pastor Tim, I believe in God. Do you? Do you? You believe in the Heavenly Father who is the shepherd of your soul who will lead you in paths of righteousness, who will take you to green pastures and still waters. You believe in a God who is the shepherd of your soul. You believe in a God who will never leave you, never for you. believe in that God. You believe in the God who loves you, who has all of the hairs of your head numbered. You believe in that God. You believe in the God who promises to provide everything for you, the God who promises to, to, to not only protect you and, 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 and bless you in this life, but to bless you for all eternity. You believe in that God? Because something tells me when you believe in that God, your worries disappear. You don't have to try to stop worrying when you know who takes care of you, when you know what the source is for everything that your soul craves. When you know that God and God alone is all you need, then I'm telling you, there's no worry. You don't have to try to fight worry. You don't have to battle worry anymore. But because I'm telling you, worry is always displaced by faith. Jesus says, why do you worry? Why do you have such little faith? Battle your unbelief. Do you believe in God? Is he real? Does he care about you? Will he take care of you? If you believe these things, then I'm telling you, there is no worry. It disappears. Next. I'd say shift your devotion. Shift your devotion. Remember I said that your worries are always sort of going to reveal what your priorities are. Your worries will always sort of circle around what matters to you, your devotion. You worry about the things that you care most about. That's why I worry about my finances. I don't worry about your finances. I worry about my health. I ain't worried about your health. You don't look so good, but I ain't worried about, you know. We worry about ourselves. We worry about the things that matter most to us. So if we can simply shift our devotion, then worry disappears. Shift your devotion. What does Jesus say? I'm right here, and I'm right in the same spot. Verse 30, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Father already knows your needs. So 31, so seek the kingdom of God above all else. So Jesus did there. You shift your devotion. So, so seek the kingdom of God above everything else, and then all these other things will just fall into place for you. You don't have to worry about anything when you seek the kingdom of God first. You put God first. See, you put God in the center. When you put your family in the center, you've just, you've just put in the very middle of your life all of the uncertainty, all the things you can't control. You can't control your kids. We've seen you try. You can't. You can't control any of this, and yet you make it the center. I met a guy this summer, he's a great, he was a great teenager, 19 years old, like nine feet tall, really good looking guy. I felt like I was looking in a mirror. I'm kidding. He's like, he's like really tall, really good looking. He grew up in Hawaii and surfed. But he talked about his family life at first. And he was talking about how in his world, there was never really anybody that, that took care of him. He was always kind of on his own because nobody was looking out for him. Not his mama, not his daddy. Nobody looked out for him. And, and then he talked about, you know, being this nine-foot-tall surfer dude growing up in Hawaii, good-looking. And, and he talked about being really insecure all the time. I was always really insecure. So finally, I just thought, dude, 
What in the world were you insecure about? You're nine feet tall. You're good looking. You surf and you lived in Hawaii. I said all that, y'all. Actually, I did. He looked back at me and he said, when you don't get that at home, that security, you don't have it anywhere. So some of us know that. We've we've really never had anybody that was taking care of us, so it may be hard to believe that there's a God who takes care of us. But but I'm just telling you, uh, you put your family in the center they're, they're just people too. The, the best parents are going to let you down. And not only that, your parents don't live forever. I, I preached back-to-back funerals this week, you guys. I mean, I mean you, surely you understand. You just don't have all the time in the world with people down here. So if you put people at the center, if, if they become your ultimate devotion, your family, I'm telling you, one day soon, you're going to find your whole world coming apart. Family never was created in such a way to bear the weight of all your devotion. Pastor Tim, you tell me not to love my family, not to love my children? No, I'm telling you, love your children, love your parents, but love Jesus more. Love Jesus more. If, if you're struggling with the uncertainty of life, then you take the, the, the one person, the one who is certain, the one who is still going to be standing here when everything in this life passes away. I'm talking about the Almighty God. You, you seek Him. You make Him the center of everything. Jesus said, seek ye the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a geographical location. The kingdom of God is just simply any place where God is king, right? Any place where he is on the throne. You want him to be on the throne in your life. This is what you're seeking. You want God in control. So if worry reflects your limits, then I'm telling you really, really good news. You don't have to be in control. You can resign as queen of the universe, you can give it up. You don't have to think that it's up to you all the time to, to, to bring your children up from Texas, you know, and to keep it from raining on the beach. You don't have to try to do any of this because you can't anyway. You can give up trying to be in control and you can give all of that. You can give it to the God who himself is in control. He can control it. And I'm telling you, when you're able to do that, when you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added. And I'm telling you, at that point, your worries disappear. You don't stop worrying by trying to stop worrying, but you shift your devotion and worries will disappear. You will win over worry when you put the kingdom of God at the center of your heart. Last thing, turn all your worries into prayer. I said that worry and faith kind of are, are opposites. In Scripture, worry and prayer are really the two opposites. Book of Philippians says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. So, in other words, the Apostle Paul teaches us that worry and prayer are opposites. You can't worry and pray at the same time, so pray. Understand? Turn your worries into prayer. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon on prayer, and we used the verse that says, pray without ceasing. That's the King James. Pray without ever stopping. And we talked about how it's impossible to imagine praying without ceasing. Like, how can you pray all the time and never stop? You can't even imagine praying without ceasing, but you know you can worry without ceasing. You can imagine that. You do that. 
You worry all the time. You get up, you may be making breakfast for the kids, but in the back of your mind, you are worrying all the time. You go to work, you can work, and you can work and worry. You can drive and worry. You can do anything because you never, ever stop worrying. And you think that you could go to bed and sleep at night and not worry, but you don't even sleep. You lay awake at night and you worry. You worry day and night. Guess what? You worry without ceasing. If you can do that, You can pray without ceasing, and this is what I'm telling you. This is your answer. Turn all of your worries into prayer. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God because He cares for you. I love to play on that word, cares and cares. Give all of your cares. The word Peter uses there is cast. Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Cast your cares. That word cast, give, is an explosive word. It's not just like, you know, hand over. But it's more like uh, when you were a kid, did you ever play hot potato? You know, where like you're, you're pretending like the potato's actually hot. So as soon as it lands in your hand, what do you do? Woo! You know, you don't hold on to it. You just keep going. You just keep, it's hot potato, right? And this is how you're supposed to do every time a worrying thought comes into your mind. Toss it. Cast it to the Lord. Turn it into prayer instantly. Do not ruminate on it. Don't continue to think on it. Don't dwell on it. Don't let it take over your life. Cast it to the Lord. Cast all your cares and worries upon Him because He cares for you. Cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Same word, used very differently. He cares for you. What do you think that means? He cares for you. For some of you, you're thinking that that means like he has warm affection. So I cast my worries to God and then he just, you know, loves me. You know, I, I cast my cares upon the Lord and he'll, he'll blow me a kiss. You know, send me a valentine because he cares, right? No, 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 no. It, it, God does love you and it is affection. But so much more importantly, um, he takes care of you. It's just that he cares. He takes care of you. He takes care of you. Jesus says, don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And your heavenly Father already knows your needs. He knows. He knows your needs. I've carried a burden for most of this year, months. And I've tried not to worry. I've just tried to cast it to God. You know, cast my cares upon the Lord. I've done that. But it's been months. If He cares for us and He's going to take care of us, why do we sometimes have to wait so long? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I want it now. I want what I want now. And I need it now. And the fact that God knows what I need, but then often still I have to wait, 
like he knows what I need the scripture says he already knows but does he know does he know what time it is does he know how long I've been waiting does he know does he know how desperately it's starting to feel down there does he understand any of this why do I have to wait trust I'm a redneck kid I grew up way out in the sticks in Woodburn um, y'all know this about me, man. I mean, we didn't do nothing. Well, I have anything. I played with sticks and corn cobs and, you know, chased cars and uh, rode my bike. I mean, it's just, you know, country kid living back in the day. Um, in my life, uh, there's one big highlight of every year. It's the one day of the year we go to Beach Bend. And listen to Papa, y'all. I'm telling you old stories. I'm telling you really old stories. Like, like, I am so old that I remember when there was Beach Bend and there was no Opryland. Like Beach Bend was like Disney World, only it was right up the road. I mean, so I mean, how lucky were we? So uh, we went once a year because y'all know Don Harris. So we go once a year to uh, Beach Bend. Beach Bend was y'all. It was skanky back then, but I loved it. It was like it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. But I think back now at it, y'all remember they had like an old elephant chained to a tree. Like, on the way in, and it's like whoa, an elephant. But I'm thinking, oh, that poor elephant, you know, because he's like standing out there by a tree you know skin and bones elephant they had these alligators that no kidding we're, we're just out there in this thickened pool of tetanus at beach men behind this fence you know and i loved it it was just like whoa because i never saw nothing i lived in the country we were rednecks i was just man they had monkeys those monkeys I'm, I'm sorry i'm so off now the monkeys were so mean y'all remember the monkeys they're smoking cigarettes and spitting on people. I mean, the monkeys were terrible. There was a python. All, of the, all you old people can, can say, Pastor Tim is telling all the truth. There was a python, like this gigantic snake. And some, you know, Beach Bend guy would come in smoking and feed it live chickens while you're standing there. You know, I've watched the python eat a live chicken, you know, with feathers and blood. You know, it was awesome. Beach Bend was awesome. Ferris wheels, the Matterhorn, Tilt-A-Whirl, that giant slide, the Vomit Comet. Did y'all ride the Vomit Comet? John Ballas, did you ride the Vomit Comet? You, know, you won't even say. Yeah, the Vomit Comet. Now, it was exactly what it sounds like. It was that thing that would just spin, and you'd be in the end of it vomiting. And that's what it was. And it, true story, y'all. When it was over, you'd get out and they'd open the door and the, the old man had a hose. <laughs> He'd hose the spew out and then, you know, I'd get in. <laughs> All true. This was Beach Ben back in the day. I mean, what's not to love? And so, I'd be, I mean, so excited. We'd go one time a year. One time a year. And uh, I loved it. I was so excited. Think about Beach Bend. It cost a dime to get in. That was a trick. It cost a dime to get in, but then everything else cost money inside. And uh, all these rides that I loved, you know, the Matterhorn, the Tilt-A-Whirl, the Ferris Wheel, the Giant Slide, the Vomit Comet, um, it took two tickets. Everything took like two tickets. Now, when we get there, I'm so excited. My dad would, you know, the ticket booth is at the door, and uh, my dad would buy like a mile of tickets, you know, to last the family all day long. And that was cool. But I wanted my tickets. You know, like I want, I said, Daddy, I want my tickets. Give me my tickets. And dad would say, no. 
I said, come on, Dad, I, I want my tickets because I wanted that feeling of just walking through Beach Bend, you know, with a pocket full of tickets, just knowing that I can do anything I want. I don't have to turn around and look for, you know, the old man. Hey, hey, you know, I, I just have it when I need it. I, I, I didn't have to, you know, ask. I just wanted my tickets on me, but Dad would say no. Why? Well, first off, you don't turn a kid loose in Beach Bend in those days. You know, there was a thickened pool of tetanus with alligators, I mean, on the other side of a fence that, you know, you could step over. Um, Dad's plan was that I'd just stay with him. And then when we would reach, you know, the next thing that I was going to do, he'd always reach in his pocket and he'd pull out exactly the tickets I needed and Do you see? It's God's plan for you. You just walk with Him. You just walk with Him. Stay with Him. At any moment, whatever you need, He has. And He will place it in your hand. Exactly the right time, exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. When you will walk through life with a heavenly father who has everything, knows what you need, worries disappear. I mean, what exactly, what exactly do we have to worry about? So when it comes to worry, Jesus has one word, and that word is don't. Don't. Why do you worry about these things? These are the kinds of things that unbelievers have to think about. But you, you have a father. He already knows everything you need. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. Pray with me.